HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Eat Okra, your guide to Black-owned restaurants. Download the Eat Okra app on your smartphone today. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of Heritage Radio Network. We're kicking off this series with a question many restaurant operators and employees are asking themselves. How will rehiring affect unemployment benefits? To answer this, we called on HR expert Sarah Deal, who also co-hosts our series Recruit, Retain, Relax. I am a resident of New York City. I've been in hospitality for over 10 years, started in operations and eventually got into HR and training. And I'm the founder of a company called Empowered Hospitality, an HR consulting firm specializing in the hospitality industry. Restaurant operators have many considerations to take into account when bringing staff back to work. When restaurant operators start thinking about rehiring, they should definitely make sure they have lead time. Think about the fact that they'll need to consider how many people they'll need, what positions they'll need to fill, are they instituting any new roles, a new compensation structure, considering whether those positions will be eligible for tips, coming up with selection criteria, figuring out how they're going to communicate to their staff, and genuinely thinking about how much time their team might need to reflect and respond to their offer. So I would say at minimum, three weeks is necessary to make sure everything is done in an organized way, and probably a month or more would be ideal. The staffing choices that owners made during the uncertain early days of the pandemic will have a big impact now. There's been a lot of conversation around furlough, temporary layoffs, and permanent layoffs in this situation. In reality, furlough and temporary layoff are effectively the same thing, although the terms have different origins. From an employment perspective, both mean that you've maintained an employment relationship with the employee. That might mean continuing their benefits. 
That might mean continuing to pay them on a limited basis. And then there are employees who are fully terminated where the relationship has been severed completely. So when rehiring, both furloughed and terminated employees are eligible for unemployment. So those hurdles will be the same. Furloughed employees, as I mentioned, are technically still employed by the company, so they might have remained on benefits. They might have continued to receive compensation. And if you choose not to bring back an employee who was furloughed, you would have to formally terminate the relationship at that point. If terminated employees are rehired, there are certain allowances to restore them without any loss of seniority or benefits. For example, in New York, if a terminated employee is rehired within six months of their termination, they are reinstated to their paid sick leave benefits that they had as of their termination date. So that's just one example. Likewise, for benefits, given the situation, Many carriers are actually waiving the rehire waiting periods so that employees who were terminated can rejoin the plan right away. This is something that varies from carrier to carrier, and you should work with your broker before you start reaching out to employees to determine what their benefit eligibility will be. But not all employees will be eager to return to work, and operators should be prepared for a range of responses. Operators should anticipate to encounter some barriers when trying to rehire. One of those we've seen most often is the fact that unemployment benefits are very generous for the time being, and that will continue through July 31st. So being mindful of the fact that employees might be making more on unemployment than they made through their employment relationship is really important to be aware of. Also, there's a good deal of fear and anxiety that has grown out of the situation, and it's impossible to say how each individual person will react. If As a company, you can anticipate that and be understanding in those cases. In the end, that'll make for hopefully a more lasting positive relationship with that employee, even though presently they might be challenged to come back to work. And then also note that people are dealing with family and personal issues that they have never dealt with before, whether it's educating a child caring for an elderly family member. The key is you may not necessarily know why. Just be prepared with information so you can support them through their decision-making. There are some protections in place for employers should some of their staff choose not to return. So a refusal to return to work previously would have left the employer in a challenging spot when it comes to PPP forgiveness. Given some recent amendments, however, an employee who declines to return to work can still be counted towards the company's headcount for forgiveness purposes, as long as their declination is in writing and the offer is in writing. 
So this is a really positive change because it means that employers' forgiveness won't be penalized if employees decline to return. Once employers get organized and are ready to reach out to their staff, there are some best practices to guide communications. When thinking about what's the best way to have conversations about rehiring employees, we would recommend as high a degree of transparency as possible. Being open with regard to your plans, to the uncertainty involved in your plans, even if you're not planning to bring everyone back, ensuring that you've shared that information universally and even potentially prepared the team for the reality that not everyone can be rehired. We would recommend communicating over email. In an initial email, potentially including general information about the reopening, anticipated timeline, the fact that you won't have a role for everyone given the reduced business volume, requesting their interest level and their updated availability, and giving them a deadline to reply, which is really important because you don't want to leave it hanging as far as whether they're interested in returning or not. Then once you've heard back, we would recommend sending a second round of emails to either inform the employees that you will not be able to rehire them at this time and sending out emails to those you do want to rehire, including information like, what will the operations look like? What their tentative start date might be, what their job role would be, and their compensation, of course what their benefits eligibility will be, and whether their seniority will be restored. Any health and safety measures that you're planning to implement, like personal protective equipment, social distancing, and whether you'll be taking temperatures. And then also being clear about if the employee declines your offer, what will it mean for their future employment with the company? And that's really important because in declining, they may assume that you would have a position open at some point in the future. And it's important for them to consider unemployment benefits may be lasting through July 31st, but the shortage of jobs may last much longer. So that, again, is part of being transparent and giving them the information they need to really make an educated decision. As operators venture into rehiring, many will be faced with tough decisions about who to bring back if capacity is limited. This is a perfect time to start fresh and think about hiring all of your A players back again. Even given that, it's really important to develop clear objective criteria to use to select who you're rehiring. And this is for consistency's sake, and ultimately to protect the company against wrongful termination or uh, discrimination-related lawsuits. So some criteria that is objective and fair to use when rehiring would be seniority, so how long an employee has been with the company, job role, 
Obviously, if you're hiring for a line cook, you should hire someone with line cook experience, skill set, documented performance records. So if you have someone who perhaps has prior write-ups in their file, that would be grounds for potentially not rehiring them. Compensation level. So can you afford that person? Uh, or is that person willing to take a pay cut if that's what business necessitates? And then also desire. I mentioned earlier that extending an offer in writing and allowing the employee to start by expressing their interest is a good approach. And desire is a factor to consider because ultimately the employee can signify what their interest level is, which could help avoid the whole issue of offering someone a job that they then decline. Things to avoid when thinking about rehiring, who you like working with and other subjective criteria, who appears to have the most financial need, given that it's virtually impossible to actually know someone's financial situation, who appears to have the shortest commute, who's more likely to suffer adverse health effects from COVID-19, who does or does not have childcare obligations. These are all things that we may be tempted to look at in the effort to be understanding, to cater to people who seem to need the jobs the most. But at the end of the day, any of those could be perceived as discriminatory. So again, it's really important to have a objective, consistent way of explaining the decisions you've made. And that can help you navigate situations where employees may not be happy with your decision or may disagree or be disappointed that you didn't invite them back. It's also important to note that rehiring staff members may not exclude them from benefits that they may currently be relying on. Rehiring won't necessarily preclude employees from receiving unemployment benefits. So that's a common misconception, and perhaps employees who are declining job offers don't necessarily understand that. If in New York, for example, compensation falls below the weekly threshold of $504 and employees work fewer than four days. So let's say they come back and they're working two days a week or three days a week. They are actually still eligible to receive unemployment benefits. Those benefits will just be prorated and they'll still be eligible to receive the full $600 that was increased uh, federally to the unemployment benefit amount. Sarah also shares an alternative option to traditional unemployment benefits that may help many restaurant operators and employees who are planning for a gradual reopening. One program that I didn't mention that I think is really important to talk about is the shared work program. And in New York, the shared work program is an alternative to unemployment benefits but one that actually can better suit businesses in this ramp-up situation that we're currently in. 
So shared work programs are currently in place in 28 states, including New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, California, and Pennsylvania. Companies will sign up to participate in the program, and the shared work benefits apply to employees whose wages are reduced between 20 and 60%. So it supplements wages in the way that partial unemployment might, but in a way that is more beneficial to the employee. So with shared work, for example, the benefits apply even if employees are making over $504 a week in New York. That's the maximum threshold for unemployment. If the employee was just claiming unemployment, they would be ineligible if they were making over $504 a week. So it's worth looking into the shared work program, again, as an alternative to unemployment, particularly if you're planning to keep people on payroll just at a reduced salary. To learn more about how rehiring may impact unemployment benefits, check out the episode notes. We've linked to resources that speak directly to this question, including a report by Oyster Sunday, information from the New York Department of Labor, and a comprehensive guide to rehiring employees written by Sarah Deal that echoes many of the points she made in this episode. Thanks for listening to The Big Food Question. Stick around to hear what makes our show possible. This episode is brought to you by Eat Okra, your guide to Black-owned restaurants. If you'd like to support local Black-owned businesses, or maybe just find a new favorite place to eat, download the Eat Okra app now. Whatever city you find yourself in, Eat Okra will connect you to hundreds of Black-owned restaurants, bakeries, cafes, food trucks, bars, and wine shops. Download the Eat Okra app on your smartphone today to get started. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. Special thanks to Sarah Deal and Elizabeth Tilton for consulting on this episode. The Big Food Question is produced by Kat Johnson, Hannah Forden, Dylan Hoyer, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, Jenny Dorsey, and me, Katie Mosman-Wadler. This episode's executive producer was Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.